And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the 11 Personnel Podcast, your favorite Rams podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Rodrigue, and with me as always, my fabulous co-host, Rich Hammond. Rich, how we doing? Yeah, nice quiet weekend. Uh, I was just <laughs> sitting at home on a, a Saturday night, you know, tr- going through Netflix. Uh, I, you know, I was actually on the last 20 minutes of The Queen's Gambit, which I was far behind on. And I thought, ooh, this is building to a very exciting conclusion. And then something happened, Jordan, on Saturday night. Uh, wh- how, how did you, uh, how was your Saturday night? Slow. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> until yeah you know it uh it, it was interesting okay so rams fans if you have been living under a rock and have not heard the news the rams have changed quarterbacks or have agreed excuse me they've agreed to change quarterbacks so this is the first big blockbuster trade of the 2021 season slash you know 2021 off season and this cannot be made official. Here's a quick caveat. This trade cannot be made official or commented on publicly by the team or, or league officials until the start of the 2021 league year. But we are here for you to break it all down in lieu of their absence. Um, so basically, here's, here's how it's going to go. The Rams are going to send Jared Goff, a first-round draft pick in 2022 and 2023, and a 2021 third-round pick to Detroit in exchange for Matthew Stafford. Rich, what are you, what was your initial reaction seeing that? Because I, I know you have covered Jared since the start. Right. And it felt to me like just, just to wrap your head around what was happening was quite a task. It was. It was, even though we had come to... Uh, expect it almost yeah. i mean jordan you did such a great job in the, in the previous days i mean you, you had a story on our our website and our app on on friday kind of uh, foretelling this you know that that saying the rams were were actively talking to to multiple teams so it wasn't a surprise but it was still a shock i, I don't know if that's a, a good way to put it or not whether that makes sense but to actually see the the, the tweet come across that said the rams have traded jared goff i I, it still was one of those I had to look at three times and say, does that does that say what I think it says? Like even though we had known that it was a possibility, maybe even by that point a probability, uh, based on the things that that you had heard and and reported, it was still a shock to me. You know, uh, to to know uh, this journey that they had been on with Jared Goff for the for the last five years and and how much his drafting was celebrated in 2016 and and the heights that this team achieved with him going to the Super Bowl just two years ago. To see that happen, it, it kind of felt like the Todd Gurley thing again, where it was like you, you kind of knew it was coming, but when you saw it, it was still a shock. Yeah, and I remember talking to you. We were talking on Friday evening after I put out that, that story, 
where I had gotten tipped off that multiple teams were engaged in conversations with the Rams about a possible trade market for Jared. This was not the only, the Lions were not the only team that they were having conversations with about Jared Goff and the possibilities that they could explore with the trade. The fact that there, it, it had already escalated to multiple teams meant that it was probably going to happen quickly. Now, 7 p.m. on a Saturday night, did not think it would be that quickly. I was thinking more of a Sunday news dump situation. Um, but we, I remember, you know, in our, in our Slack channel, Rich, we were taught, we were like, it feels eerie out there. Like the air feels weird. It feels like something's happening. Something's going to happen. So then you start poking around and then, you know, you get, we broke the, well, Adam Schefter broke the news and then we confirmed the news on um, Saturday night, shortly after the trade was agreed to. And, and then you start putting all the pieces together. You know, you start making the phone calls and following up on information that you'd been gathering for months and months and months and rich in your case for years. And, and putting it all together. And so I hope you guys go read my column over on theathletic.com because there are some things in that column that I think we really need to talk about. <laughs> and we, we will get to them, but like we really got to talk about these things as a, as a collective group, guys. Um, but it's still, it's, it's so, um, the trade itself is so interesting, not just the timing of it. I mean, it's a first round picks, basically player pick swap of first rounders. Um, before the Super Bowl, <laughs> you know, that in itself is interesting. The fact that yeah. there was an extra pick thrown into an extra first round pick thrown into the deal um, to sweeten the fact that the Lions would have to assume Jared's contract, which hadn't the extension of which hadn't even started yet because it starts in the new league year. So he basically they're getting a fresh bankroll contract over there and the, the Rams will absorb about 22 million in dead money, you know, plus they have the 8 million from Todd Gurley still left over and then we'll assume Matt Stafford's new contract. And, but those are just the, those are just the, the bones of it. There's so much right. That has gone on and there's so much that sort of swirls around it in terms of analysis and possibility. And, um, it's just, it's just a fascinating, fascinating trade in my opinion. Yeah, it is for sure. And, and and to me, I, I separate two things. I, I separate the trade from the how did we get here? Yeah, because the trade itself, I totally get it. You and you wrote this very well in in your column. The Rams obviously see a window here. They have so many of these top guys under contract for the next three or four seasons, and they felt like they needed an upgrade at quarterback. So I don't blame them for that. That's that's a very reasonable, rational thing to to decide and and you feel like you have to make that big trade and maybe it's worth giving up an extra first round pick because uh, you you think you can win a Super Bowl if you make an upgrade at quarterback. So I don't blame them for that and I don't blame them for making the trade. The, the problem that I have is a little bit of the process of how you get from 2016 to 2019 giving a guy $134 million, a record uh, amount of guaranteed money a year before you need to sign him, right. and then 17 months later saying, ah, you know what? This isn't really our guy. Let's let's get another guy. Uh, I have a problem with, with that process and, and maybe even what it says uh, about you know the decision-making that went on there. But again, I, I think those are two separate issues. And the Rams did what they thought they needed to do. 
the timing of it did surprise me a little bit, Jordan. But then you hear, as as you did, and uh, you know through through some of our reporting over the weekend, there was quite a market for Matthew Stafford. It seems like, and this was not going to go on for a long time. This was not something that was going to be drawn out for months. And I would assume the Detroit Lions didn't have any interest in having it drawn out for a, a few months, and I don't blame them for that. So this was going to happen one way or the other. It was, it was, you know, the Rams were going to get Matthew Stafford or he was going to go somewhere else. So when you see it in that context, uh, it makes a lot of sense. He probably, all things considered, was the best fit for them. I know people were really excited about the possibility of Deshaun Watson. Uh, I don't, I don't know whether the Rams would have been able to make that deal. Uh, it probably would have been a little bit more difficult. So uh, it was the right move, and it, it was the one they thought they needed to make. And I don't blame them for that. But I just, I am also very curious about this whole process. Yeah. So on the surface. Uh, this trade just its structure itself it it shows that the rams first and foremost it shows a lot of things and like i said in my column the the things that it shows are not mutually ex- exclusive so we can hold them together in separate sections in our brain at one time and they can all be true at various points right right so the rams believe they have a super bowl caliber roster minus a couple of pieces they need to improve um, and we're going to get into those in a separate podcast, <laughs> but oh, yeah. they have guys who are entering their prime or in their prime and in their prime, I would say Aaron Donald, Robert Woods, uh, probably Cooper cup considering his age. Um, they have a guy in Jalen Ramsey who is entering his prime years. Um, and then they have Andrew Whitworth who is, you know, still can play very well but you know logically is kind of on the exit of his prime right and these are the guys that they are trying to win a super bowl with and so if they felt you know this is the classic if then scientific hypothetical statement if Mm -hmm. they felt that these guys can win them a super bowl and they also felt that they were a quarterback away from winning a Super Bowl or getting to another Super Bowl, which as we started to learn and have been digging and learning about over the last several months, that's how they felt. Then the logical decision was for them to go out and get a quarterback who they believed, first of all, was gettable, achievable to get, and then who they knew would want to come to California and play for them, which um, Matt Stafford very much did and made it clear to the Lions that he wanted to play for Sean McVay um, and for the Rams. And and that was a very much a factor in this in this trade from the Lions side. And they went out and, and got the guy who they believe they can align. First of all, the base of his contract is for two years. So for the next two years minimum, they may tack on a, a quick extension on that contract because it will make the front end of it a lot more workable against sort of this cap strain that they're dealing with. So it could be two years, it could be three. And right. that aligns, as Stafford is 33, 34, 35, that aligns him with these guys that they have in their prime. And they clearly have gone all in, all in on this. And so that's what this trade sort of shows on the surface. This is the goal that is left to be achieved. Yeah. And, and from a purely football standpoint, I, I think that makes a ton of sense. I mean, they've weighed the risks of, of what they've done in, in trading away a, 
an extra draft pick and in incurring some dead cap and and they've measured that versus well what are we gaining we're gaining a quarterback who we think can put us over the top who we think can win us the super bowl and that really is you know your your, your windows are, are so narrow and, and if you have a chance uh, you know, if you have a three or four year window here, you have to take advantage of it. And uh, it's fascinating, Jordan, what Matthew Stafford will will bring to this offense. Um, you mentioned it a little bit in your uh, column. He's, his skill set certainly very different from from Jared Goff. I mean, do you see at this point them really transforming this offense dramatically? around Jared around Matthew Stafford or will it just be uh, allow Sean McVay to kind of put in those little tweaks those little nuances uh, that that can make a difference that maybe Jared wasn't quite as adept at pulling off well I think we actually caught like a glimpse of the blueprint I'm fascinated by this because I think we caught a glimpse of what this offense will look like under Matt Stafford when it was being run by John Walford for better or for worse in week 17. And I'm not talking about the stat sheet, and I'm not talking about the red zone stalls. I'm talking about the core of his play, the details of his play, um, as he was driving the ball down the field. You know, John Welford, undrafted free agent, going to be the Rams' backup. There's going to be a competition at backup quarterback um, to see which guys they can install into change of pace packages a la Taysom Hill this this spring and summer, by the way, which is an exciting Side note, um, but now I'm going to get back on track here, but I'm just excited <laughs> about it. Um, John Walford obviously comes in, undrafted free agent. Re- McVeigh loves him because, uh, you know, yes, the the broadcast that week loved to say, oh, he reminds him of himself. And maybe he does, and they look weirdly similar. But it's also, it was about how quickly John Walford processed through his his progressions it was how he saw the field, how he found throwing lanes despite being drastically undersized, um, how he was able to move his pocket around, how he was able to move within that pocket, how he was able to, um, you know, avoid pressure and reset certain launch points in order to continue the, the play development downfield. You saw longer developing plays. You saw more layers within the intermediate and the longer parts of the field. You saw him getting the ball to those guys instead of um, opting for the higher probability, shorter passing um, attack. When he saw the look he wanted, you saw smart decision-making. You saw, you know, other than that first that first throw, which I know I, people love to bring that up. This very first NFL throw was a pick six, but we'll maybe forgive him for that one. Um, and, you know, it, it, it was not like um, it, it was a sign of what was possible. Like, John, the, the, they, the Rams, if they couldn't find a trade market, they were very, very okay with having John Walford compete with Jared Goff and possibly even benching Jared Goff at the start of the 2021 season. Because of the way, the little flashes they saw of the way this offense could be run, right? And yeah. this isn't a knock on Jared, who has, I think, some quality skills that do make him, um, you know, appealing to some systems. And he's got arm strength. He um, is very, very even keel. He's been remarkably durable throughout his career. You know, the the thing is, is that the way that Sean now has needed to adjust and run his offense um, and the way that he saw it, flashes of it, 
the ability of it to be run under a player with similar a similar skill set now now we dial it up to being first first overall pick caliber Matt Stafford skill set and that's that was appealing to them and so I think that that when when we talk in and probably no designed runs I would imagine but when we talk about <laughs> what the offense is going to look like I think you can extrapolate like the the pieces of those of that Arizona Cardinals game when he was driving the ball downfield, extrapolate that first Seattle drive that he was really getting the ball going downfield. And that I think is what you're going to see this offense kind of take after. I think that provided a small piece of the blueprint for what is happening now and what will happen moving forward. Yeah, I agree. Um, I have a little bit of an issue with the idea that Sean McVay just couldn't come up with an offense that worked for Jared Goff. And and maybe that'll be borne out. And and maybe, you know, obviously Jared's going to go to Detroit. Uh, it certainly looks, based on every factor, as though he's going to start there. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see what it looks like under a, a different coaching staff and a different whatever. Uh, I, I, I just push back a little bit on on the idea that, well, they just, you know, just kind of threw up our hands. Like, well, there's nothing we can do with Jared anymore. Uh, we tried. You know, it, it wasn't that long ago. And I know I don't want to pivot too quickly right now, but but it wasn't too long ago that Sean McVay made a big commitment to Jared Goff. It was just 17 months ago where he had you know, basically said that this is my guy. I mean, he said it. He didn't basically say it. He said it directly. This is, uh, this is my guy. Uh, there's, there's no problem. We're on the same page. Everything, like all this public. And, and then now, 17 months later, all of a sudden, it's, ah, I just, I can't, I can't run this offense. And, you know, it's, it's you had the quote in your, in your column today. It was from Sean's uh, exit interview a couple weeks ago where you, you, you talked about the, the changes that they made to the offense this year and trying to simplify things and trying to go to those uh, higher percentage plays. And, and the, the quote that you had from Sean was, that's not the world I want to live in. And I get that, but I, I just, I, there's a part of me that thinks it's, it's your responsibility as a coach to figure this out. Uh, it, it's almost like a, you, you bought it, you own it, you fix it. And, and I, I don't really understand how it's, it's just okay to kind of go along with, well, she's, uh, we just, we couldn't figure it out with Jared. So, you know, we, we, we're moving on now. Well, you, you did just give him $134 million 17 months ago with the idea, with the commitment that he was your guy and that you could figure this out. And now you're a year and a half later, you're just kind of throwing up your hands and saying, well, and got to move on. Got to get Matthew Stafford in here. So I, I don't. I, I on on a wins and losses and and the desire to win a Super Bowl ring. I I totally get it. I I, I do. Um, but it, it's just the the process of that is is a little bit confusing to me. Yeah, I think to me, both certain things are true at the same time. Like I think that extending him early was a terrible decision, and. I think that, you know, there are pieces of it that I understand from their perspective in that they believe that by the time the contract started, it would be mid-level quarterback money and he would, at, Jared would be performing at at least a top 15 as a floor or higher um, at that point. So at that point, you know, considering other extensions that would be happening around the league, young guys getting extended, certain trades, things like that, I can I can see that. But you didn't have to do it early. 
you know, the, the market for Jared, I mean, you, you already started to see, um, sort of him hit his peak at a certain point. Right. So you, you didn't necessarily have to do it a year early. And I, uh, I thought that was a bad decision. So that to me is, is a truth that I hold, but also, mm-hmm. I also hold the truth that if you have, adjusted if you're a head coach and you do believe that you have given this guy every opportunity to succeed 2019 and 2020 and even changed your offense away from certain things that you like to do and I've covered this quite extensively throughout the course of this season um but for first time listeners want to reiterate very quickly you did not see Jared Jared Goff pass the ball deep very often this season, um, in fact, was one of the worst completion percentages and attempts, uh, lowest attempts in the league in terms of that deep passing game. And uh, there was a reason for that. Um, the Rams adjusted. So so understanding that those deeper passes are 50-50 plays, um, 50% probability rate, probability success rate, okay? Um, and then the probability success rate increases the closer air yards you back you get to the line of scrimmage so mid-range is you know what 75 percent like if we're just throwing blanket estimations 75 percent a short a short range route it's like what 85 to 90 percent and then you factor in can the receiver hit a good catch point what's his window how does he run routes all of these different yeah. things right but basically the probability of a successful play um just completing a successful play increases the the shorter passes you throw right well, Jared Goff was turning the ball over in 2019, and he was also the the defenses around the league were, and this is the, again this is this was the sense within the building. It's not me postulating. This was the sense right. within the building that defenses were starting to solve Sean's offense. So it's an adapt or die league. So he tried to adjust. Well, at the same time, you also are adjusting for the fact that you ha- your quarterback is not taking care of the football. So you have to now shift toward higher probability plays, AKA shorter yards per attempt, um, shortest yards per attempt in Jared's career this year. You also have to rely on catch and run players like Robert Woods and Cooper cup, um, which they smartly capitalized on in contract negotiations this year because they knew how valuable they were to this shift um, among other reasons. And and you knew you were going to rely on them for explosives and you were going to be pretty dependent on having a consistent run game that could also be explosive, especially on first and second down. All of those things have to be perfect, right? All of those right. things have to execute well. And the thing that started to shift was, first of all, Sean McVay did not want to run, necessarily want to run his offense that way because he wants to get the ball downfield a little bit. And he he even said so when I asked him, you, you quoted it earlier, Rich, when I asked him about um, personnel and adjusting his offense to that high, higher probability um, sort of concept line. And, and he was like, that's not the world I want to live in. And right. we, I want to get back toward explosive plays. And, and so when you factor in the idea that you are changing and you're moving things and you're shifting and you're trying to build up the resources and the tools around this guy. Now this, again, this is a perspective from inside the building. It's not like I'm, I'm knocking the guy. I'm not, I'm not knocking Jared at all. 
right. then that guy keeps turning the football over, even though you have put, you know, these tools and changed things for him, even as the defenses have started to figure out how exactly to defend you. And people around the league have told me, if you take away, you know, one or two of those things that I just mentioned, or you, you know, force a longer second down and a longer third down um, by stopping the run on first down or by, you know, hassling Jared on first down in the passing game, you can, they are, and I quote, easy to defend. <laughs> right. Like right. that's, you cannot have that as a coach if you want to win in this league. And so, you know, assuming all of those things and and assuming that perspective, the turnovers that continued, and it's not the stats of the turnover, it's the way that they would happen in terms of poor decision-making, lack of processing, um, f- the fumbles, especially um, bad sacks that were taken and turned into fumbles, things like that. It's the way that they happened. So we have to, you know, approach this with nuance because it's like, no, I, I mean, yeah, I think on paper it sucks to commit to a guy and then 17 months later kick him, you know, to another team for a guy who you've deemed as an upgrade. Um, no, it that does not look great. It doesn't look great at all. However, all the gray area in between is that this is this has been a developing situation for the last two years, and it's not for lack of attempting to bring certain people along with that change. And once it became clear that that was not going to happen, the disconnect really started, the tension really started, and the decision was made, and and there was really no turning back from it. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Yeah, I, I think the tension is the is the key thing there that that really you know kind of escalated uh, this thing and and just maybe certain and, and that cuts both ways. I'm not saying you know Jared's tension with Sean or Sean's tension with Jared. I mean I'm talking about it, the relationship in general. Um, so I I think that escalates it. Um, the the only the only issue I and I I understand I annoy people by going into this and I, I'm sorry I'm not trying to annoy you I swear and I I will let it go after after I make it make the point one more time here but but I I guess my problem is that there's a lot of talk among Rams fans and people in general about well Jared regressed like this is the problem he he regressed he's he's not as good as he was two years ago. I don't think that's necessarily true. Has he regressed in certain areas? Yeah, I, I think that's it's fair to say, or maybe hasn't progressed the way that that he should have. But go back and read some of the things that were written about Jared Goff at Cal. Read some of the things that 
scouting reports. I mean, I tweeted one this morning from from Doug Farr, who was at Sports Illustrated at the Times, and you you read them. And if you didn't know what year it was written, you might not know. <laughs> if you read some of the some of the weaknesses, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but uh, some of them are Goff's clock speeds up under pressure and he's more inclined to throw the ball away than he is to reset and make the open throw. Processing speed under pressure needs to be developed. A see-it-and-throw-it player who makes too many predetermined reads and can't always adjust has a target in mind from the snap and isn't flexible to enough uh, flexible enough to adjust. And I'm sitting here going, this is exactly what you, if you were going to criticize Jared Goff in 2020, these are exactly the things that you would say about him. And and they were the same things that people were saying about him in 2016. And, and I, I guess my point is that I, I think in 2017 and 2018, they were able to accentuate his positives because Sean McVay did an excellent job with his offensive scheme. The Rams front office did an excellent job of building that offensive line and, and bringing in some skill position players. They accentuated his positives and, and were able to cover up his negatives. And, and I think what you've seen here over the last couple of years is they've been doing that's that's been happening less. Uh, the, the offensive scheme, I'm not saying Sean is, is any less of a coach. I don't, I'm, I don't think that's true, but as you've said, and many others have said, teams are adjusting to his offensive scheme. Uh, the personnel has changed. It's, it's not quite what it was. It's certainly different. Uh, you can argue better or worse, but it's certainly different. And, and I think all of that has impacted Jared Goff. So has he really regressed or, or is he basically the same guy who he was, but you're not able to surround him with that environment that, that he needs to thrive? Yeah. I, I tend to think that's more of what it is. And, and if that's what it is, then, then why did you pay him? Like, why, if, if you, if you kind of knew who he was and you knew that things had to be perfect around him and eventually things aren't going to be perfect— just that's just life. That's the NFL. Things aren't going to be perfect all the time. Uh, so if if that's your guy and that's really who he was the whole time, then why make that commitment? And I know it's irrelevant right now. I'm I'm arguing a, a point that that has <laughs> that does, isn't going to change anything. But it's just I I don't really see this as like a celebration of like yay the Rams got out under this you know contract. Well, how did they get here? Uh, is 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 a question that that I think is is fair to to answer. So I don't know. May, again, all of that is probably irrelevant, but I I just wonder, uh, you know, whether or not it, it, that's who Jared Goff just was the entire time. You know, and it's to me, I wonder if at the time it was a little hubris, even because Sean McVay's offense was tough to solve. Yeah. Until he ran up against a Vic Fangio system, <laughs> and right, I think right. you see now the ego checks. Right. Because you saw the ego check. The front office pivoted from the Todd Gurley, Brandon Cooks contracts, they taking on ridicule and dead money. Right. And that's an ego check. Um, they're never going to pay a running back again. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's an ego check. Um, they pivoted even more deeply to this model that we we will, you know, get into in a little bit more in depth about the draft picks and, and things yeah. like that. Um, in terms of rounds two through six and really, really bulking up there in terms of getting 
really solid starters and, and around these core contracts, that's a little bit of an ego check. Realizing you probably kind of suck at picking first round players, <laughs> like that's an ego check. And and I think in Sean's case, bringing in a guy who runs the Vic Fangio system as your defensive coordinator. <laughs> A right. little bit of an ego check, right? <laughs> and and learning it and trying to understand how could I have been wrong about my own system and getting the crap kicked out of you the first week of training camp and being pissed and coming back and trying to solve the thing that had solved him, right? Right. I think that we can't, I, I, I still will always think along with you, Rich, that it was, the contract was a bad idea. But I think we can't have it exist in a vacuum necessarily because nothing about any of this will ever be black and white or simple. It's all going to have so much gray to it. And part of that gray is human beings do not evolve at the same rate. Uh, And I do agree that Jared Goff, I, I wouldn't even say maybe regression is the right word because as everything else had to change around him and everything else adjusted around him and defenses learned him um and things had to change i think he stayed a very similar guy to who i think we thought that he was and that was a very successful player in certain phases of his career and could be again so i'm not i please don't think i'm knocking the guy um you know i hope the best for him and in detroit but human beings do not evolve at the same rate and some human beings and i put sean mcveigh in this category are positively manic about adjusting and evolving at a rapid rate because if he does not, he is not going to win and he's not keeping his job. So he, yeah. he, is, he is like the guy who, it's almost like a, this is me psychologically speculating here just as a caveat. It's, it's almost a projection of I'm doing this and I'm evolving at this rate. I, I lobbied for you for this contract and I, you know, wanted to get you paid expecting that you would come with me in this mental evolving process. Right. You are not, I'm now here and you are back there. And, and then, you know, perhaps on Jared's side thinking, what the hell, man, I, (laughs) you, you never want, you, you said I never had to play outside myself asking me to do this now is me playing outside myself and right. and then it simplifies right we see that here this year it, everything simplifies down and the turnovers still happen and those again guys like that I, I probably can't adequately express how much those needled at at Sean McVay right. Right. because it, it wasn't the fact that they were happening it was the way that they were happening with a you know Okay, I, you know, it, it's, it's just, and this is all psychological speculation, right? But, but it's like, it's the dynamic here is that you cannot stay the same in this league if you want to build a sustainably successful franchise in a modern league. And that's how Sean McVay runs his business. That's how he runs his team. The front office is all in on Sean McVay specifically. It's not Jared Goff. If if Sean McVay makes a decision about certain partnerships, certain marriages um, with players, and 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 presents his point to this sort of upper level hierarchy, they are all in 
on getting him what he needs that he feels he needs to be successful. And whether we'll look back at this and say, you know, how, like, what the heck, (laughs) you know, how could, how could you just try to pivot so rapidly like that? Whether we look back at it and say, oh my God, that was a disaster. Or we look back at it and say, the Rams were one of the early teams to really try to be fluid, like, you know, in in an NBA-esque way and pivot away from mistakes and, and try to, um, you know, seek and recognize when they were essentially quote unquote wrong and seek answers for when they're wrong. It really depends on who you ask out there and depends on what, you know, NFL channel you turn on. (laughs) And, and it really is um, to me, like I said in, in my column, one of my columns earlier this week, this whole situation is like a Rorschach test for, how you view football, what you believe in, and what you think is a successful and sustainable winning model in football. Yeah, and I'm glad you made the point about uh, about Sean and and the um, you know the way the Rams view things. Is uh, the other thing I see a lot on on Twitter is is a lot of, a lot of dumping on Les Snead, and uh, I think people need to kind of understand that it is the Rams front office in a general sense is is very collaborative um so when people say oh it's it's less need making these mistakes it's less need doing that no uh you know obviously he's the he's the general manager it's his you know signature that goes on the line but but he's not making these decisions without sean mcveigh's input or, or in some cases cases probably his outright approval and he's not also not handling a lot of the money situations i mean the rams have people for that, uh, you know, in, in, in the front office and Tony Pastor's, uh, you know, doing the actual numbers and the actual negotiation, things like that. So it, it to, to pin it all on one person, I, th- I think is a little unfair. Um, and I'm not saying you should pin it on one other person. I'm saying it is a collaborative effort. I, I mean exactly what I'm saying. It's a collaborative effort among all of these people. So to the extent that you're going to give out praise, or you're going to give out blame, I, I think it should go uh, across the board. But uh, Jordan, I, I think you made a great point there about the, um, you know, the, the pivots. And, and I'll, I'll start by giving a great example of that and is that Sean McVay pivoted away from Wade Phillips a year ago. And there were a lot of people, myself included, maybe even myself at the top of the list, who were concerned that that was a mistake because I thought, wow, Wade Phillips, he's one of the smartest defensive minds who's ever been around. The Rams defense was not terrible. It was a, an average to maybe even above average defense. And they took a big swing on that. And, and that was a good example of Sean McVay saying, we have to pivot right now. We have to, we're, we're, I, I see an area where we can get better. Uh, yeah, it's a, big, it's a big risk to take on Brandon Staley, but uh, it's something that we need to do. And guess what? It worked out very, very well. And it was, that was a very smart decision by Sean McVay and, and one that really carried the Rams as far as they went this season to 10 wins into uh, the divisional round of the playoffs. I just think it's a little bit different when you're talking about players because the the way that the league is set up, it you it's it's you can pivot and obviously the Rams have done it here a couple times in in cutting Todd Gurley, trading Brandon Cooks, trading Jared Goff now. I mean, you can do these things, but I just wonder how many times can you make these pivots before they start to catch up with you? Because what it does, it just it it makes it makes that tightrope so narrow 
that you have to do everything else right. Can can you trade Jared Goff? Can you absorb that cap hit? Yeah, you can do it. Can you lose that first round pick? Yeah, you can do it. But it just means you have to be pretty much letter perfect on on everything else that you do. And look, maybe that's worth it. And and maybe they they keep pulling these rabbits out of their hat. And and Jordan, I know you want to talk, and and I do too, about their philosophy on the draft. And I I think that plays into it also. Uh, and I, I I totally understand that. But it's just kind of like wow, you know, making these these huge pivots with, with personnel. I, I just wonder how, how many times you can go to that well and how many, how many times you can do it before it, it eventually bites you. Yeah. And I'm kind of like, I think I'm kind of in the camp of like, you know, I, I cut my teeth in the NFL at, at a very traditionally run franchise, very conservative, uh, very, um, you know, we don't, really get into the bidding in the in free agency. We don't we're not aggressive in that regard. Um we've got we're trying to keep our core around. We've got, you know, some cap issues and some things tied up into big contracts, but nothing crazy. Um you know, we don't uh, other than when this new regime took over, there wasn't anything really. It was like we're always going to have a first round pick. We don't trade up. We don't trade back. Like just, it was, it was very methodical and traditionalist. I think I'm kind of in the camp where I'm like, it's almost like the Rams are saying, just because it hasn't been proven to work, because nobody else has done it, doesn't mean that we don't think it's going to work. And to right. me, that's interesting because the Rams, you know, despite the market that they're in, they don't get a lot of chatter. They don't get a lot of uh, a lot of sort of scrutiny, even though they have like all of these stars on their roster. Um, you know, they don't sort of project uh, this type of thing. Like they're at Sloan every year; they're doing the MIT thing and all of that. They don't really project like right. we're we're the you know the outlaws of the league or whatever. Like they don't do any <laughs> of that bullshit, right? So yeah. it's almost you, you almost like it surprises you when something like this comes up, right? And then you're like, oh. Actually, they did that before. They did that with Jalen Ramsey. And, oh, yeah, they also dumped the Gurley Cooks contracts. And, oh, yeah, they did. And and I think it's I think that part of it's interesting, right? And I'm, you know, yeah. as a journalist, it's fascinating to cover because yeah. it's, a, it's an experiment. It's a grand experiment. And, you know, these guys have, they've kept their front office, other than, you know, losing Brad Holmes to Detroit and Ray Agnew to Detroit. Like, they've kept their front office intact. So these are the same guys who are making the mistakes, quote unquote, if that's the right word for it, making the mistakes and then pivoting from the mistakes. And I think that's that's a fascinating thing because, you know, I've covered GMs in the past and Dave Gettleman comes to mind with the Josh Norman franchise tag fiasco where you just never pivot away from something like that and you just keep doing those same types of things and and you know I just think I think that that's really really fascinating again I don't know if it's gonna work um I I think that you have a small sample size of proof that it can in this season um in terms of carrying all of that dead money and having no first round picks and having you know the fruits of those picks be brought in via player um, in Jalen Ramsey and having the new 
defensive coordinator. And, you know, I, I think you could, because they were very, they, they could have been very special this year, I think, with that defense. Right. And, and so it's almost like you're seeing that it, it can, it can work, but it's, it's such a small sample size. And it's really interesting. It's almost like when they find when they find a thread that they think is a good thread, they just pull at it as hard as they can. <laughs> and it's almost like what I was saying earlier about the John Walford stuff um, on a on a different recording. It's like the offense, the offense will like they they caught a whiff of what a good blueprint for the way that Sean McVay wants to run this offense. It is they caught it a very small sample size of it from how, you know, little John Walford ran that offense, not the red zone. Again, I'll repeat, not the red zone stuff, not the lack of points, not the, not the interception, the way that some of those drives were sustained and some of the, the ways that he operated out of structure, some of the ways that he operated that offense, they caught a whiff of that small sample size and, and everything had been brewing and boiling and bubbling behind the scenes for since 2019, which I cover in my column. And they were like, here's our thread. Let's yank on it. Like, <laughs> it's right. just so fast. Like, I know I sound like probably one, like just I'm delving into like, I know people want to hear facts and data and I'm delving into philosophy, but like philosophically fascinating stuff. Yeah, and it is, and and the reason why you you mentioned that 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 front office you know staying together, and and the reason why is because it's worked. I mean, they they've been on this high wire now for a while, really for the last five years. I mean, when you when you go back to the to the golf trade in in twenty sixteen where they give up a, a lot of draft capital. I mean, that might not have worked. Uh, as it turns out, it did. They got to the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, they give up another first rounder for Brandon Cooks. Uh, and that, of course, being the year that they did make the Super Bowl, uh, they give up two first round picks for for Jalen Ramsey. And like you said, small sample size, but he was arguably the best cornerback in the NFL this year. You can you can make an argument for that. So it really is like, A, I agree it is fascinating and I would much rather be around a team that is interesting like this <laughs> than, than, a, than a team that is, is boring. Uh, but the other thing is, it's so far it has worked. I mean, there there have been you know missteps here and there, maybe things that that could have done better. But you, you look at you can't argue with the track record since 2017. I mean, the, the ten win seasons, playoff appearances, making the Super Bowl. You know, you can nitpick here and there, but the the four year run of success is is uh, you know very good uh, for especially considering all the risks that they've taken so i'm sure from the rams perspective they look at it and say well this is this is how we do things and and we are going to be bold and we are going to take these chances and and we have confidence in ourselves that it's it's going to continue to work out and it very well may uh, there's there's plenty of evidence to suggest that that it that it could that it will uh, but i just think the the more the more that you play with that fire, you know, the the more you you risk uh, having something blow up in in your face. And I'm not saying that I hope that happens. I don't. But uh, it, it's just they they have taken a lot of these risks, and so far they've played out fairly well. But yeah, I tell you what, if this one doesn't go right, uh, then I don't know. I, I mean, if 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 the Rams continue the success, if they win the division, go back to the playoffs the next couple of years. Uh, that's fine, but if if this leads to any kind of a, a downturn, then I I just start to wonder about what that means. 
The Rams are the great Greek tragedy. They're not even Shakespearean. <laughs> I'd say the Panthers were Shakespearean because of all the just yeah. the the drama. But the 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 Rams are the Greek tragedy of the NFL. They were Sis- yeah. Sisyphean. I can never say that right in the first try. That was good. They were Sisyphean in their efforts to roll the boulder up the hill via the defense, only for that boulder to fall down the hill and have to start over via the offense. All 2020. Um, one could argue they were Sisyphean in their structure of handling this Jared Goff situation as well. Um, and now we're looking at Icarus. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe wow. they're, they're trying to yeah. avoid that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we're yeah, looking, maybe we're, maybe we're looking at Icarus. Maybe we're not. And yeah. time will tell. And I just think that um, strategically and philosophically it's it's so interesting and then rich like they, it gets into like their draft strategy too and it kind of is, i was just is, gonna bring this up yeah, yeah it's yeah. interesting how they how they all marry together isn't it it really is uh and and it again just kind of the the unconventional or the you know we're we're, we're gonna zig where everybody else zags and uh i i the the, the draft strategy because jordan i, I don't want to steal your, your thunder you explained this very well in in your in your column and uh, and we, i know we've talked about it before in the past but you know the the value that the Rams put on on certain picks, or you know where they might pick if they, if they have a successful season, and is it worth Jalen Ramsey, for instance, right? They they trade uh, Jalen Ramsey for for two first round picks. Now you look at it now, and you go, would you rather have Jalen Ramsey, or would you rather have whatever draft pick was made last year? I don't even remember who it ended up being that Jacksonville took. Um, and then would you rather have the number, what are they, what would the Rams pick this year? 27th or 28th, something like that? Right. Or, yeah. Would you rather have those two guys or would you rather have Jalen Ramsey? I'd rather have Jalen Ramsey. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and that's the bet that the Rams really make is, yeah, do you, sure, we, we could get somebody okay at 25 or 26. You know, yeah, there's somebody who could, who could you know, come into the rotation and help us out. Or we can use that capital to get somebody who is really going to make a difference. And this is now, it, it's absolutely a, a trend for, for, for less need. And I think it's fascinating. And Jordan, I, I hope I've left you enough runway here to, to explain a little bit more about it. Uh, just just how, they, how they kind of view these picks. I know, <laughs> I know there's a meme going around that, uh, <laughs> that explains it a, a little bit more directly. Uh, but, uh, but it's, it's really kind of what you can, what value you can get out of those picks, either by drafting a player or by trading them. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device 
for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Yeah, and again, like, when I when I communicate this, like, I'm not saying it's the right thing or the wrong right. thing. It's how they, like, my job is to communicate what they are thinking, right? And how they are doing things from their perspective from their perspective and, and parse it and be fair and analyze it fairly, but, but also like to communicate why they are doing what they're doing. So the understanding that I have is that they don't see tangible proof over a large body of data. And certainly with their own first round picks in in the past, um, however many decades ago they were, um, you know, that, the first a a sort of mid level you know outside the top twelve first round pick all the way into the window of a middle maybe upper middle second round pick is going to give them a tangible development return on investment in the same way that a proven player would who was a top ten pick who is a pro bowler who is a all pro who is a plays a position of heavy investment. Like, like if they, like, let's say, you know, the option is, okay, well, will you trade for a running back who was a top 10 pick? No, it's not this in terms of how they value positions, defensive line, uh, slash edge rusher slash anything Aaron Donald can do. Um, corner quarterback, uh, receiver in some ways, but especially if they can block, um, you know, left tackle, you know, it's it's those are the value positions, the high value right. positions, right? So these are the ones that they are willing to give up those picks to invest in um, because they know that the proven body of work and the proven predictive modeling of that player's continued development is more uh, substantial to them in their evaluation than the unknown of a first round pick and whether that first round pick can play up to that status 
Right. Obviously, if you are not drafting in the first round, you s- technically save money <laughs> every year um, via signing bonuses, via um, the long-term contract you ultimately have to hand out if that pick is playing even near the level that he should be playing at. Um, and And so it's an interesting reassignment of value and reassignment of investment because now they are okay with trading those picks away to bring in young guys who are going to have an impact uh, immediately on their offense or their defense. And then solidifying these core roster pieces that we talked about earlier via contract, via long-term contract, and then building around them in rounds two through six in the draft and, and drafting well, that strategy does not work if you don't have the right people in your personnel department who can evaluate and identify talent. And Again, it's a small, small sample size of this being successful. But over the last two seasons, um, I would argue that this model has has worked. And especially last season, I would argue that this model has worked because you look at the guys who were key contributors and starters who were relative, you know, definitely all outside the first round, some even as low as undrafted free agent in the case of Darius Williams. And the talent identification process brought them in and the and then it marries to the coaching process of talent development and player development, right? So all of these things, you have to assume that all of these things will continue to work together in sync in order for this to work. And in that way, you feel more comfortable hedging your bets on this model. This is the model that they are, they, they, they're stuck with it, right? So they believe that it works. Um, because they're stuck with it through 2024. They don't have another dra- first-round pick until 2025 unless they trade back up for one, and they probably won't because of that very meme that you mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and yeah. uh, by the way, uh, I did get confirmation Les Snead has seen that meme. <laughs> so <laughs> I thought he created it. Are yeah. we sure that he didn't uh, put I, it out there? I yeah. cannot... <laughs> Uh, I cannot share further findings on said meme, but okay. uh, he has yeah. seen it, yes. <laughs> okay, yeah. And yeah, I think the only thing I, I don't like about that is just having to give up another pick. I mean, it feels like, and again, we don't we don't know a lot of what the negotiations were or what have you, but it, it does kind of seem like the Rams, you know, <laughs> put in another second round, or excuse me, another first round pick uh, so that they could get rid of that uh, Jared Goff contract, which again kind of circles back to me is like, well, now you're paying, now you're paying for a mistake that you made, right? Um, and, and they and, and they think, should wear that. They should. I mean, that, mm-hmm. there's that was a that was a bad contract to give out at that time. Yeah, it could have been yeah. a it, it it if for, if he would have continued to progress, um, and progress and regress again because we were talking about this doesn't happen in a vacuum, so. Right. We need new words, but like if he would have continued on the track that they had expected him to con- continue on or that they seem to have expected him to continue on by way of by value of actually giving him that contract, um, right. then, you know, it, maybe it works out better. But in this case, you have to pay for your mistakes. And, and they were like gritting their teeth and handing over that extra first round pick. And that was uh, an offer that sources told me. The, you know, they had eight, the Lions had eight offers on the table um, for Matt Stafford. The Rams, everyone, every one of those teams offered a 2021 first round pick. Right. The Rams did not have a 2021 first round pick. So they said, take our two. (laughs) 
<laughs> right. And also, a uh, side note: Will you take on this contract? <laughs> right. And that's and that's what sweetened it. It really it it really was. Right. And they did what they had to do. You know, I I, I get it. I don't. Again, I don't like giving up that extra one. Uh, but it's it's what they needed to do, and and yeah, it's it's the model that they've that they have, and and it's worked. And the other thing we didn't, I don't I don't think we uh, have been on the podcast since since the Detroit Lions hired Brad Holmes. And uh, you know, first of all, congrats to him. I know you you got to know him uh, a little bit too over over the last year, and uh, certainly a a very talented man. Um, who is have put in so much work with the Rams? I mean, started out as a as a public relations intern, I think, and and worked his way up, and and just had a huge hand in in the Rams' success here, especially over the last uh, few seasons. Um, so so great for him. Um, and the other thing that the Rams get from that is as part of the some of the new NFL. Um, policies, I guess, to uh, you know, to encourage diversity hiring and, and things of that nature, is they get a couple draft picks, uh, they, and they get a couple third round draft picks in in exchange, and those are you know, honestly, Jordan, I mean, the the Rams have done more with their third round picks than some teams have done with their first round picks, uh, and I, I don't think that's to be discounted. You know, it yeah, you the the, the first round picks got, get a lot of attention. They're the highlight players. They're the ones you see you know, putting the hat on and putting the jersey on or whatever. But a lot of times what really makes or breaks your team is is what you do in those middle rounds, those second, third, and fourth rounds. And that's where, you know, Les Snead and his staff have really made their hay over the last few mm-hmm. years is is identifying those players. Even like you said, Jordan, down to the sixth round or even down to undrafted free agents. Uh, that That's really where the difference is made between a good draft and a great draft. And and the Rams have done that, and <laughs> they're just going to have to continue to do it. I think that's pretty much the only way to say it. Yeah, and I mean, they're all in. They are. Yeah. If it doesn't yeah. work, we're probably looking at uh, a couple of new members of, of this franchise. If it doesn't work by 2024, just because yeah. they, they're all in. And yeah. Again, though, they've done this collectively. This isn't like Sean yes. McVay saying, you know, F them picks, like the meme says. This is like, this is everybody. They are, they, all of this, these guys in the front office are together on this model. And I think that's where some of this stuff about Jared is kind of getting lost in, in sort of all of the sensationalist parts of this and the, you know, always, oh, you know, hurt feelings and, poor baby and all this stuff. And it's like, you know, I, I don't ever like to see a player feel, um, yeah. feel hurt by the way that he has been treated, whether or not that's the case. Um, right. I don't ever like to see teams, you know, treat players as commodities instead of people. Um, but in terms of the hierarchy, there was no question that, this was going to be the the priority hierarchy was not was never going to be Sean McVay's relationship with Jared Goff, no matter how glowingly he spoke of him seventeen months ago, mm-hmm. no matter how um you know how many think pieces you saw on that topic um it 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 was always going to be the the hierarchy of the partnership of Sean McVay, Les Snead, Kevin Demoff, Tony Pastors, a couple right. other people in that front office, 
and on that coaching staff. Right. And that would all was always going to take precedence. And they were always going to move swiftly and without um I mean, you saw it. You saw it with the with the girly stuff. Like once it happened, it happened. That was it. Right. You know? And and so that's something again, <laughs> that's something Jared Goff is aware of, has been aware of, has been aware of his situation for for quite some time now. And, um, you know, I think that there's, again, there's so much gray area. There are so many things that, again, we kind of covered in this this column where it's like there were certain points of the season where you have to come out and criticize the quarterback because otherwise you're telling, if you don't, you're telling the rest of the guys in your locker room that you are giving this guy preferential treatment. And if they're already frustrated with the way that the se- the season's going in terms of the offense being the ninth most inconsistent offense in the NFL this season and number 18 in scoring and the defense is on the field for an ungodly amount of time and you're frustrated, then what what does that say if you don't criticize the quarterback? Well, yeah. at that point, you know, and things aren't getting fixed and you're having these private conversations and, um, you know, you're you are the quarterback and you're publicly commenting about how you're not thrilled that you were, you know, sat instead of even because you think your thumb is fine, but the coach disagreed and you guys are going to agree to disagree and and all of that stuff. Like there, Jared Goff has been, and his, especially his representation because he's got great representation. He got a contract a year early. (laughs) Like they've been aware of this situation. They have been fully aware of the breadth of this situation and um it's like it's not like a um you know contentious split i would say right, right. it's right. just cold because it's a business yeah. and i put it in another column a pile these guys they'll they'll throw around this money and pull it out of the mattress and what have you like this this rams front office they'll throw They'll throw bags of money around like they can print it. Right. But it's not a promise. It's just a pile of money. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's, um, I'd, I'd take the pile of money, though. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you don't have to make me any promises. You can just give yeah, me some money. Yeah, no, I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. I'm good with the pile of money, actually. Um, yeah. Uh, fascinating stuff, Jordan. And I, I know this is going to continue on. And, and, you know, like you said to start, this is not... Uh, an official trade yet. So when people start looking at some of the salary cap or things like that, uh, the Rams don't have to reconcile all of that um, un- until the start of the uh, calendar year, or excuse me, the start of the NFL uh, league year. So that'll be sometime in, in mid-March. I think it's usually around the 15th or 17th of, of March where, when that happens. So uh, that's when we'll learn a little bit more. And then that's when maybe you'll see that um, contract extension for Matthew Stafford that, that you hinted at because That'll help kind of balance out those those salary cap hits and and maybe cushion the blow a little bit for for some of what the Rams are going to have to go through this this off season. So Jordan, you've done an extraordinary job of covering this story to date, and and I know that more more interesting angles will be coming down the line. Hopefully not on Saturday evenings, but uh, I, I know that if birthday. they do. <laughs> All right. Yes, Jordan. That's right. Jordan had her her birthday on on Friday. So and even wrote and even broke news uh, that that day on Friday. So it's it's been a busy. I'm sure it's exactly how you envisioned 
spending your birthday when you moved out here is um, in quarantine uh, writing writing news stories. That I'm sure that's exactly what you had in mind, right? Yes, including uh, <laughs> including trades and trade discussions and yes. uh, not having seen another human being in several weeks now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> the all stuff of, of dreams, really. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, Happy birthday. Thank yeah. you, Rich. And it's just yes. been, um, you know, it's been really interesting. Again, like I know that the takes are flowing and the news cycle is coming to drown us all. And like, it's going to be a trip, guys. But, um, you know, stay the course. We'll try to bring you everything we know to the best of our knowledge. We'll try to um, be right down the middle with it and try to bring you some context uh, with with all of these decisions uh, to the best of our ability. Um, I know that one of the things I get the most excited about is to learn stuff and then communicate stuff to you guys. So, um, but, uh, but I have to learn it first. <laughs> so <laughs> thanks for bearing with me in that regard. Um, yeah, Rich, I just, it's, it's crazy. You know, we're going to be doing these podcasts every couple of weeks. The next time we do this podcast, we will have spoken to new defensive coordinator Raheem Morris, who I can't wait to, to talk about because um, yeah. I think he's, I think he's a really great fit for this program. But again, there was a lot of gray area leading up to this decision and definitely um, can't wait to cover that on our next episode. And also the Rams have two special teams coaches now. Yes. (laughs) Technically three. I think Tori Woodbury is a very underrated. He's a special teams assistant. He's very, very underrated. I think he's going to be a fast riser in this league. Um, But Joe D. Camillus, um, I might be mispronouncing that because I haven't met the guy yet. (laughs) Right, right. Um, and John Bonamego moving into a senior consulting role. Um, so it's going to be really interesting. They are expected to speak with us uh, after the Super Bowl because Sean McVay generally gives his staff the first, you know, the last two weeks of January or so off. Um, so they're expected to to make introductions with us in the next uh, week or so. And so then we'll be excited to bring you guys updates from that. And in the meantime, you guys got to check out this column, got to check out our great athletic Detroit coverage. Um, Chris Burke and Nick Baumgartner do a great job. Um, they're also getting, they're cranking the clips out. If you are interested in seeing, you know, hearing more about Jared Goff's future, Brad Holmes, uh, Aubrey Pleasant, who is now a Detroit lion as well. Um, Ray Agnew guys that are, are really trying to build something over there. Definitely check those guys out. And as always, you can subscribe through the 11 Personnel Podcast, and what do you get when you do? You get a great discount to great celebrate discount. Jordan's birthday. Yes. I love a great discount, especially uh, near this gray void of a birthday that I have just celebrated. <laughs> <laughs> make make Jordan's birthday a little bit brighter and, and subscribe uh, to The Athletic. I, I couldn't agree with you more, Jordan. And it, like I said, this it's we're just getting started. I know we, we have plans to kind of... Uh, do some collaboration with the Detroit team and you know what are the Rams getting in Matthew Stafford so there's, there's going to be a lot of good stuff to come can't wait guys thanks for tuning in thanks for listening as usual we're really excited uh, about this offseason with you all and we'll catch you next time <laughs> <laughs>